This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with, I can't even say the lovely Mary Goulet, because Mary Goulet's not here. Mary Goulet is off doing her volunteer work, saving the world. We love you, Mary Goulet. We will see you very, very, very soon. Hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, man? How's it going, Steve? Good, brother. Good, good, good. Glad you are here. And uh, I'm not, you, you, just going to be known as Philip. Like, no last name. No, just Philip just, works for me. It's all right. Good. There we go. Just Easy Phillip. to remember. Yeah. Sweet, brothers. Glad you're here. Glad you're hanging Glad out. Be You've been hanging out in the reinvention radio area for, got a couple of months now already. So it's good to, well, yeah. we grabbed you a microphone finally so you can come in and, uh, and come hang out with us. And then joined by the one and only Eiji Morishida. How are you, brother? Yeah, what's up? And, what's uh, going and, on? Have, have I been butchering your name all these years, or is it, uh, or how do we actually say it? You say it really fast, so you can't tell. Exactly, if you said it I just, right that's, that's how I know. I'm just, I'm just butchering it quickly. Yes, yeah, ag like all a, good. A a a g. Got it. Yeah. So like a with the letter on top, and then the letter g. Yep, that's got it. And so a short ag, g, so, and yeah. a short g. Got so it. The, ag. Hey, you yes. came before og. Yes. Nice, man. All right. So uh, very cool having you here. Thanks for coming down to the Reinvention Radio Studio to hang out with us. For those of you who have been tuning in to the show live with us every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific, uh, welcome. And if you haven't, do it. Join us uh, at reinventionradio.com. You can catch the live feed there. Uh, for those who have been listening to the podcast edition of the show, thank you for that. And if you've been rating and reviewing and subscribing, uh, much love to you, and we we do appreciate that. So definitely make sure you, well, join in the fun because we do this, like I said, every Thursday from 12 to 2 Pacific Live, and you can call us at 866-977-2346 and even join in on the conversation. So let's do this, man, because uh, I really want to, this is a, there's obviously a lot of different ways we can go with this conversation. I've known you now for, for a number of years, and I'm about three, four years already, right, something like that. Uh, and, and just seeing what you're doing in the space that some folks know you for, which is creating movements and everything you're mm-hmm. doing with the Movement Makers Playground yep. and so on. I mean, you know, there are definitely people who know you from that standpoint, but I don't think that there's a lot of folks who really know your whole story, right? I mean, in terms of your family and kind of being the first family of sushi when you come right down to it here in the States and, and popularizing that. And, you know, and, and it brings up a number of questions that I have uh, around just this whole movement conversation and so on. Uh, but give us an understanding. Just kind of take us a, a few steps back. So you're first generation, right? So yeah. you were you were born here. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But you're obviously your parents were from Japan. From uh, what part of Japan? Um, bo- uh, my dad's from Osaka, which is the food capital of Japan, and my mom's from a little place called Kochi, where it's like one road in up the hill and down, Ooh. and one road out. So it's just like this small fishing village of 300 people. So most people. Wow. When they think of Japan, they think of you know Tokyo and the big lights and stuff. But yeah. there's a lot of rural, rural. There's no doors, like it's those sliding screens nice. of, and no locks. You know? nice. It was the craziest thing when I went there, and I was looking. A whole another story. I won't take it for too long. I was looking out the window, and I see this guy ride his bike up to the dock, set his bike down, and walk to the dock. I was like, oh, that was interesting. Didn't lock it, right? And I see him go to the do- walk down the dock, and get on a boat, and take off on the boat. 
just and, left his and bike the there. bike was there for three flipping days. I checked. <laughs> I was checking on the bike for him. And you know it because you used it for and, three. But, days. No, no, no. But it was funny because I think the only place I saw locks was in Tokyo, and I think it was actually just because the sheer volume of mm-hmm. bikes that looked the same. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know for sure, but it was a trip. <laughs> there was no locks. So they're good, honest people. And was it love at first fish for the uh, for the mom and the dad there? Was uh, was dad coming to, to the fishing town there to grab some fish for the restaurant? Or he just like had to wait the... at the front of the road, it sounds right? like. No, so actually, uh, yeah, my dad, my dad came over here when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. So he went to Hollywood High. And then um, my mom came over in uh, the early 70s and stuff. Then th- that's when so they, they, actually, they okay, met here. They met the here. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. All right, very cool. And then just because it's, it's a story that needs to be told, your dad is, is kind of the sushi king, so to speak. I mean, how, give us an it's understanding a, of that. It's a weird story. So uh, our great-grandparents came over, actually inst- opened the first restaurant in uh, the Depression days in 1929. Mm. And then uh, World War II happened, so... What we, was the name of that one? Just to, uh, It was... Uh, it was yeah, it's Eigiku. E-I-G-I-K-U. Eigiku, and it's in Little Tokyo. And then World War II came, so our family went back to Japan to escape persecution um, and internment camps, and then came back in the 50s, and then we reopened in the 50s. Oh, wow. And in the 60s wow. is when we uh, opened the sushi bar concept. It was a collaboration between us, a manufacturing company, and another restaurant, and it was a partnership, and we brought the sushi bar concept over to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so the— Thank you, it, by the way. Right. And so what, <laughs> what I'm trying favorites. to understand is like when and, and this was uh, you talk about being disruptive. You talk about reinventing an entire industry. Totally. It's kind of scary when you come right down to it. The thought of, of eating raw fish. Right. I mean, like that, that in and of itself is just it's like a, it's a, if you didn't know any better. You'd think like that's the. Yeah, for somebody that grew up next to the Great Lakes, I would say that. For right? Sure. You know, like you just uh, you, those you, lakes are nasty. Yeah, I mean, you, you not, think about not Japan. That just some beautiful water. Have you been to Japan? I have never been to Japan. So it's beautiful. But yeah, what I'm trying go. to understand is like where where did this is this commonplace? Like, do people do that? Like, has this been going on for for centuries? Yeah, it was, in Japan. So that's this what is, horseradish is for, though, too, right? Well, and, you, and, no, uh, right? Just kill the. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is sushi is not about the fish; it's about the rice. So su means it's the vinegar, means vinegar. So that vinegared rice and with the salt on the fish preserves the fish. So it started in Tokyo like centuries ago, 400, 500 years ago, and it was in the Edo period, E-D-O, and that's why they call it Edo Maya Sushi. And they have these carts, and they're serving sushi outside. There's no outside. Re- there's no refrigeration, but Yikes. it's the salted fish and this uh, vinegared rice that kept preserved it as well. So... Uh, it yeah, it's like it's been around for years and years, and and it's interesting how it got it popularized. At first, it was only Japanese people who ate in the states, but in Japan, like in other cultures, people do business. After they do business, they go eat and drink. So the Japanese businessmen took the American businessmen and t- uh, showed them sushi and mm-hmm. and sake and all these drinks, and mm-hmm. and then that's how it started picking up, uh, picking up, but also being in L. A. Uh, the first uh, sushi restaurant started in Hollywood, and celebrities started coming in. So, you know, we had some old school celebrities like Shirley MacLaine and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people's favorite uh, William Shatner coming into our restaurant a lot nice. in the '80s and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but but how did you get like it was it a marketing thing? I mean, like this is I just don't get it because like that's like asking people to eat 
something that for for years and years and years culturally you've been told don't eat yeah, but you're, that you, like don't put that in your mouth like you will die if you eat like but you forget they came from a country that it wasn't happening like that yes but to break into a market like the like here like in the united states where for so long we've been told you know that's just like, eating that and you will die like it's lead you know there's there's mercury there's yes wade you're you're the sushi king well, now that, yes please. that's simply no. why they didn't brand it Raw fish, toxic potential poisoning <laughs> rolls. Yeah. Right? So, you call it so sushi, name, and people so that, go, oh, okay, whatever the hell that is. So that just name don't was rejected as one of the Yeah, raw, yeah. Fish, raw fish food didn't work out. Raw fish food. So yeah. wait, so I just wanted to make sure I understand this. So it is because now. And they didn't go to Texas first. The fish. Yeah, they didn't take this to the middle of Texas in the first oh, trip I, either. Yes, I got it. They didn't try it. I got it. So. Did it start out as being like just basically the Asian population it was, in L.A.? Yeah, it was, it was I mean, mainly Japanese, Japanese, uh, Japanese Americans, Japanese business people living in yeah. L.A. And then they started sharing this to uh, American business people. So it's word of mouth mm-hmm. introduction mm-hmm. because you don't just walk in. You don't just walk into a sushi bar back then and just say, hey, I want sushi. Yeah. You know, if you're not Japanese. And so you had to be kind of introduced. It's, so it's interesting. He, you just mentioned, A.G., introduced American businessmen because this whole time I've been wanting to say something earlier about that I just thought was hilarious. When you mean I was for the last Japan. seven minutes, or you mean like no? When I first met, I, when I first oh. met him back at New Media Summit, but, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. Yeah. Just when I heard about the story of the sushi king, the Got family it. coming over, it's yeah. like I wanted to say in Japan it was really weird because there's this, you know, hierarchical. I don't really know how it works, but it's uh, you. There's definitely respect for elders going on like all over that place. Like no matter where you're at on a monetary level, there's still this elderly respect thing going on which in the is Japanese su- culture. You're super about. cool. Yeah. Super cool. But, and, and a lot of like you, but then you could tell too, then there was this other level of smarts. Like if you had this different level of smarts, you got this other level of entry or access to people too. But the part that I kept from smiling the whole time was if you could eat or drink with them guys, like if you could sit and pound sake with another Japanese, like you're going to go, it doesn't matter. You could be at the worst school from the horrible family, mm. if you could sit and have a fun story and talk about life with a Japanese business guy and pound sake for sake with him, you were going to do business with that guy. Yeah. Is that Partiers, true? Partiers, yes. Yeah. Really? 100% yeah. true. I get what, it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just connect on, from, connect just, by just drinking. Just soul by drinking and food, you were in. You could mm. just skip school, skip everything. Like, I wish you could flash back in time. Into, yeah. I just drink, down that don't road, drink right? anymore. Yeah. But. So like Joey Chestnut, he'd be like a billionaire in Japan and just sit down and just start pounding sushi like roll for roll with people. He'd be like, oh my God, this guy is a king. We got to do, is that what you're saying? Kind of, but it was more not. having fun in the, the, it was, it was. The whole entire sushi bar says hello to you when you walk into the place. Yep, that is true. The whole place. Like, that's just not a no- – like, some do it here. Every single one I walked into there. Oh, yeah. and by the way, Americans, don't take it too personally <laughs> if you don't get tipped by some Japanese people. I literally got chased down the street to give the money back to me because she said she does it for her service. Really? All right. Well, there you yeah. go. All right. So – um Interesting. Thank you, Richie, for that. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover more with A.G. Morshita here as we're talking about reinventing sushi on Reinventing Radio. And, uh, boy, a lot of ground here to cover more right after this. You 
were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're at a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Ulsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many get on the right path and be clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step for realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting TheReinventionWorkshop.com today. No more delays, no more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to TheReinventionWorkshop.com. That's TheReinventionWorkshop.com. And now, back to Reinvention Radio. Here's your host, Steve Ulsher. All right, welcome back to Reinvention Radio. Steve Ulsher hanging out with you, okay? What's up, man? What's going on? What's going what on? Doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, let's see, we got White Wade holding it down in the studio. Mary Goulet's out doing her volunteer work, saving the world. Phil's hanging out with us. What's up, my amigo? Hey, what's going on, buddy? And uh, we got AJ. Oh, yeah. AG. <laughs> AG. See, I got it. It's like nothing in your name. Like, if you look at your name, like, none of the letters actually pronounce in English anyway. Like, they. Other than the A. <laughs> actually. No, there is no A. It's E I J I. I was slay and way. Oh. And J I like jingle. Got it. Now, wait, what is. So your name actually has, like, translation meaning yeah. something kind yeah. of powerful, right? Yeah. So E I is a symbol for English, but also means a hero. And the J-I means to be an authority, govern, or rule, but also means to heal as well. Got it. So I love Hero Who Heals. And yeah. That's like awesome. It. Yeah. So do you feel, like, driven by your name to do something greater than sushi? Is that basically what you're saying? Like, do you feel the pressure by your name to do something? Because can't food heal? I mean, food heals, dude. Food heals. Right? Yes. So let, me, so let me ask you this. So for those who are familiar with your work kind of in this movement maker yep. arena and whatnot— I mean, geez, given your family's background, right, and that restaurant that they started, that your parents started, that's still open, right? Yes. And still popular, still booming? Yeah, so check check out Yelp. Go to Yelp.com. It's called Sushi Go, G-O, 55. Hate the name, but the Mm -hmm. sushi's great. Uh Got kick-ass ratings. We just got CBS Best of LA Awards and stuff like that and won several others. But yeah, it's uh, Sushi Go 55, and it's in downtown LA in Little Tokyo. Mm Mm-hmm. And are you drawn to work with the family business at all? I mean, is this something you want well, you know, to do? Or yeah, is it I was, by obligation you have to do? How does that work? You know, it was, uh, I was uh, running the restaurant for about three and a half years. And uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was really tough because the community wanted me to say, oh, wow, you're such a good family member, a good son. You're going to take over the business. Being firstborn in an Asian family, yeah. that's usually the tradition. Yeah. And But I just really wanted to make sure that uh, my family's retirement was secure because when they opened up two restaurants back in 2004, they're losing a ton of cash, like ten to 20000 a month. Wow. And then and then they told me, my mom said, you went to college, help us with our marketing. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and, yeah. and as entrepreneurs, you know, college and marketing are two different things. And so For sure. that's when we, we didn't even discover all our history until 2000, about 2000, end of 2004. Mm-hmm. I just knew our great grandparents was uh, there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, so were you, did you discover that looking for stuff for marketing? 
Yeah, for marketing, you know, because I've had this gift of interviewing people. I was a technical recruiter and finding out what makes people unique. And I know what is your what is about finding your one thing. So I like to find and research and find out what makes us stand out from everyone else. Once we figured that out, that's when we got media with ABC, World News Tonight, New York Times, LA Times. And then that brought a more media exposure uh, to win some awards. And then, and thank God we had good good food too. So mm-hmm. it's like that that kind of stockpiled within each other mm-hmm. that's awesome and so just for for those who are unfamiliar your family actually started some of these more popular roles right to make it sort of more i guess for lack of a better term americanized is that yeah well they're like you know so uh anything that spreads in popularity popular you got the inventors and the innovators so yeah they're family friends of ours uh chef mashte invented the california roll mm-hmm. so uh and it's like a family chain uh, or family tree like where, uh, like probably a big portion of sushi chefs came and worked at a restaurant. They got apprenticed and they spread it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did open the first fast food sushi restaurant in Santa Monica in 1980. Um, so we brought it out to the masses, and it took a while for sushi to spread because when I went to school, people were saying you're eating fish bait or what's this bento box? And so yeah. did the the California roll? I've always thought had to help. It was like the Trojan horse in. It's the gateway drug to sushi. For right. sure, right? Yeah. Because it's like, it's like the hey, Big we'll Mac, put the avocado. Know, just... I don't want that fish. Well, no, this one's just got some avocado and some, you know, cucumber and yeah. whatever. Mm. They're different variations. Yeah, how, but... how it came about was uh, that uh, a Japanese delicacy is toro, fatty tuna, the tuna mm-hmm. belly. And during certain months of the year, the water is too cold, so they couldn't ship it over. So they invented the California roll with avocado and crab. To replace that creamy, fatty texture, and then and, and during those months they couldn't get Toro. Interesting. But the yeah. key, the key invention that made every, that was the game changer was turning the rice inside out. So it's called uramaki, turning the rice inside out because the Americanized palate didn't like the taste of the toasted seaweed. Mm-hmm. So once you did that, then it was a game changer. And then we just substituted the crab with salmon or tuna or shrimp tempura or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it was off to the races. Mm-hmm. So that's – when you say turn it inside, you just mean put the rice on the outside yes. as opposed to the seaweed roll? Yes. Yes, yeah, so your yeah. tongue's touching rice first instead of the mm-hmm. salty yes. seaweed. Mm-hmm. The, the, bitter, the yeah. bitter seaweed. So do you feel pressure to continue then with the family business and, and, and do something with 55? Or like what, what's, the, what's the plan well, for, you, for you moving forward? Yeah, I mean I'm looking for – yeah, they're like uh, my parents are going to retire in about eighteen months. Mm-hmm. So either we're going to sell the business, or we're, I'm looking for partners to create a possible fast casual version of sushi because mm-hmm. that's the evolution of uh, even pizza. Pizza was for kings and queens, you know, margarita pizza. Now it's common food. So yeah. I wanted to see and look for partners who can operate it. So I have no interest in operating a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, but I don't mind owning one and being the evangelist and spokesperson for it. I love yeah. how you made that very clear. You get no interest, <laughs> no interest, no interest in nada. Hence no. the partnership. I mean, but if but I mean, if your dad or your mom, I mean, like sat down and said, you know, Ag, we, we really need you to do this. Like, we we don't want it to be sold. We don't want it to leave the family. And they started throwing some of that Japanese guilt on you. I mean, that they, you know, like you're going to be banned from the family kind of thing. Is that uh, that would turn the corner for you, though, right? You, you'd be like, no. You'd be like, all right, forget it. I'm out. As long as you <laughs> no, 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 I could see it. Just no, when no. you just said no, interest. you got no love for it. 
Well, not for the day-to-day operations and yeah. stuff like that. It's just it's. Uh, but I love the food. I'm a food connoisseur. Love checking out new restaurants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. And I could not. easily see in you. I could easily see you going there a lot, still, and saying hi to people and doing uh, media or any of that. Like I don't hear in any of that. You don't want to do work. I just hear you don't want to do. Operations. I, you just don't, don't want to run. You, you don't, don't want to have to go turn a key and do no, all the stuff to run a restaurant. Like yeah. if I could just promote what an awesome place this is, you'd yeah. be you'd you'd, have, you'd be in forever. Yeah, because anyone who comes to LA, it's like, hey, come to my place. We have a group, you mm-hmm. know, and all yeah. this. We were so old school that it was only in the eighties where our, our waitresses were still using the abacus. Wow, the abacus and their dressing. I'm just impressed. I know, bring that back, back, right? Like people would be like all over that man. And here's your bill. What the hell is it? It's an abacus. (laughs) So now you need to go online. Just get an abacus to figure out how much you owe, and people just like leave you way too much money. They'd be like, "Oh, this. I'm not going to be figuring out how much this. Just here's fifty bucks. Call it a day." So what do you, what do you think you guys I mean look realistically here there's I mean sushi's kind of a dime a dozen now right I mean it's, yeah. it's gotten to the point especially here in California I mean everywhere you look there's sushi spots and so on so why and, and Richie I think you were asking this on the break but like why are some you want to kind of go in sort of this fast casual kind mm-hmm. of I mean going down that path but the real money seems to be in that high end I mean more formal kind of experience could you you couldn't see yourself you know sending it uh in in the other direction or do you think the future is kind of more in this in this cheaper faster route i mean what how do you envision the the how do you envision the industry evolving yeah i think you have to do either or so you have to be super high end or uh low end for the masses you can't you can't be in the middle Mm -hmm. because those who are used to the high end said oh it's not as good as the high end and then those who are used to the low end they're saying oh this is this is good but it's expensive plus so. it's hard to put that restaurant in the right location yeah the, the one you're the, in the middle that you're talking about you can find the fast casual one place yep. that you're talking about and you can find the high-end place but that high-end place to do that high-end sushi yeah is a high-end bill it's, yeah for like it's la jolla cost, or whatever right. you know you're spending some it's gonna dollars. cost way more and also kind of like nobu's already kind of got that mm-hmm. planted the flag mm-hmm. and it's like i don't want to be you know i don't want to get in the cola market if i'm not coke or pepsi yeah yeah and and realistically you you would just look at it sort of as a commodity oriented opportunity anyway i mean you've got no real love for it at this point so it's more in this whole world of of making a movement right i mean that's yeah. and so mm, i think that you said that the idea of potentially being Sort of the face of the the sushi movement, if you will, is something you would consider. But I also think that you're more inclined to help others create movements of their own. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Because I I lived through seeing the popularity of sushi grow and sharing those uh, uh, sh- sharing those lessons that I've learned of how they yeah. innovated and how now it's like you know from being made fun of as a kid now it's like oh it's the cool thing to have mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the other things, uh, the part that does interest me about fast casual, where the sushi industry is going, is you're going to see, if not, you probably have tons in San Diego because it's a, a progressive city, is now it's kind of be, uh, Poke Bowls restaurants are popping up all over. So yeah. it's kind of like making the Chipotle version of that. Mm-hmm. So Everywhere. it's popping up because it's easy access, affordable, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But one of the neat things that I like to see is through food is that you know, there's a lot of ways, you know, we can change people's behaviors or thoughts or 
how they feel just through something that they do day to day. And yeah. we do this all the time just by watching billboards on the freeway. Yeah. yeah, I've even liked it how they make them use different utensils. Like they won't give you a fork sometimes or you don't get a spoon at the udon place. or You know, like mm. it's, it's cool. Like you get to yeah. try different things. Well, let, let's do this. We're going to have to take another quick break here on Reinvention Radios. We are reinventing sushi. And I, I want to talk uh, in, in the next segment here about, you know, what, what really we can learn from the movement that created sushi as a as an accepted phenomenon, right? I mean, what can we learn from that movement, and how can we apply what transpired in that period of time where you took something that was really frowned upon and made it into something that is universally accepted? So I know there's some principles there that we can apply to yep. creating our own movement, so we'll cover that when we come back here on Reinvention Radio. One person has the power to change the world, impact millions of lives, and leave a legacy for lifetimes to come. That person is you. In the New York Times bestseller, What is Your What? Steve Ulcher, award-winning author and founder of the Reinvention Workshop, reveals his proven process that has helped thousands of men and women discover, share, and monetize the one thing they were born to do. Grab your free copy now at www.whatisyourwhat.com slash free. That's www.whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free. And now, back to Reinvention Radio. Here's your host, Steve Ulsher. All right, welcome back to Reinvention Radio. As we are reinventing one of my favorite foods, sushi. That's what we're doing. And, um, you know, I was just reading some of the Facebook comments and people are like, reinventing sushi? Uh, well, yeah, you know, why not? It's something, <laughs> I mean, come on. How many of you have, have had sushi? And, and the answer is probably all of you. You've had it. So let's talk you know, about it. Because you know what's good about that, though? I, I want to know. How many other people made comments about titles? Mm-hmm. That d- the title did its job. Then. The title did its job. See, nice. people are like, "Hmm, reinventing sushi. What does it mean?" All right. Well, what it means is a lot of different things. But specifically, I want to talk now about the movement side of of all of this because you know, reality is to get uh, a nation of people who had been told for mm, a long time uh, eating raw fish is bad, mm-hmm. like. How in God's name did we end up just making this like a corner store kind of thing where like you could literally go into your 7-Eleven and you can you can grab a little pack of sushi for lunch. I mean, like it's that prevalent. And so well, what can at we... At least in this state, in a couple states. There's in, still a few states I'm sure this hasn't quite... There's per, states that haven't perhaps. taken to the fish taco yet <laughs> that's deep fried. They're getting there. With... with White Slow sauce all over it, water, right? <laughs> so, so the question is: as we look at that creation of a movement, what can we learn from a business perspective that could apply to our businesses or our industries in terms of how we can create uh, our own movements? I mean, obviously, this is a, an area of expertise for you with movement makers yep. and everything that you're doing there. So, let's look at it from a sushi perspective, but then more specifically, how we can apply those principles to creating a movement of our own like uh, and we can use reinvention potentially as an example if you need an example mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so most movements start off as grassroots movements so you got the inventors right the people who are actually creating the roles and things like that 
But the secret to getting a movement off the ground is really having a bunch of early adopters. And these are your creatives. These are your artists, your celebrities. Uh, they're way ahead of the curve. So when I was uh, waiting tables in junior high in Santa Monica, we had a whole bunch of people in Miami Vice gear and stuff like that. And nice. you know, you knew they were hip and they're into the trendy things. And and uh, uh, you know, as it picks up steam, you know, there's a great book, uh, Tipping Point, and you go through three phases of. First, you go through ridicule. Hey, this is fish bait. Mm-hmm. Second is you go through violent opposition where health inspectors were trying to shut sushi restaurants down. Sure. And then now it's self-evident. So those are the things is if you – you know. so one of the key things is that when you do have that violent opposition where people are trying to shut you down or you got haters, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. And you just keep moving forward because if you don't have haters, you're, you don't, if you don't have haters, you're not growing fast enough or you're not big enough yet. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something to be said then for the polarization. So when you create that movement, how do you know if it's or how do are there are there principles or rules to, to look for or apply uh, in terms of creating something that is polarizing? So you get to that second phase. Yeah, I think it's really being. Yeah. I mean, the polarizing is really being clear on what you stand for. So it's just really not like, hey, always taking the middle road. But I believe this, you know, and I know mm-hmm. you had Simon Sinek here on the radio. And it's like, I believe, I believe, I believe, have your point of view and really is is the things that you're most passionate about. Not something like here, I believe, you know, children are good. That's just too general. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's like but really getting specific and saying, you know, I believe children shouldn't go to school, mm-hmm. you know, and that's more polarizing. All yeah. right. You know, vaccines and all that stuff. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And then, you know, realistically from and how how do you get, though, to. Like it, it, when you teach your people to mm-hmm. create movements, how do you get them to get to that first, you know, it, there's a lot of terms being kicked around, right? But one of them is that thousand true fans, right? Mm-hmm. So how, if we use that as an example, what do you teach your people to do in terms of getting to that that grassroots acceptance where you have those loyal, borderline, fanatic fans of, of your movement, of your, you know, I believe? Mm-hmm. You started with the first group, you said, right? The creatives, this group, like, we'll just say Jesus and his disciples, kind yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the disciples I'm, I'm joking, are, but, you know. well, the disciples are the early adopters. Right. You know, you get your 12, you get your 12, and then they start recruiting other early adopters. So, so let's let's stop there, though, with the 12. How, how, what, are, what are some of the best ways to get the, the 12? First thing is get a big-ass vision, something so large that people want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You don't even need to know how to do it. Just like JFK, we're going to send a person to the moon. Uh, you just need to just uh, p- share the biggest vision, even if you don't know how, to enroll people emotionally saying, yeah, I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I see so many entrepreneurs really screw this up is they don't share their vision, but it's not big enough where people say, I want to be a part. How can I help? Mm-hmm. Because if it's so big and they know you can't do it just by yourself, so they know they have to step up and volunteer. It sounds like it has to be clear too. Oh, absolutely. Very clear. Super clear. But there also has to be some degree of, I would think, a, a benefit, I mean, in terms of, like, what's in it for them. I mean, if you just have, like, this grand vision of creating chocolate that, you know, gives you muscles, like, you know, like, maybe that's the benefit in and of itself. It's hey, like, I'd hey, sign up for that. Right? <laughs> so yeah. there you, go. So you, got, got you already in rolled room. me. All right, yeah. we got four in this room. So, hey, but, it, but seriously, yeah. right, you got to think about it from that standpoint in terms of, 
you just some fly in the you know yeah. just flashing the pan you know just pie in the sky kind of vision whatever i mean that's yeah. probably not good enough it has to have some benefit of sorts right or does it not even yeah need i mean that? it's specificity of like what that is so you have the big picture vision but then you have your mission of you know within 10 years you know we're going to have you know we're going to grow a thousand movements mm-hmm. and then and we're empowering leaders to do that so if they want to be part of that movement and one of the thousand, then they can step up. So being specific and giving a time frame mm-hmm. really helps as well. So then uh, then they could decide and self-select whether they want to be in there or not. And so once you get that first 12, mm-hmm. how do you, the, do you then literally give them the checklist of, hey, here's what you need to do, or how do you get them to – to you know, kind of get to that shampoo commercial. They told two friends, and they told two friends, and so on and so on. You know, like how how does that happen? No, don't say that. He'll move into MLMs. Oh well, that's okay too. I mean, there's been a lot of my, you know, maybe, maybe yeah, that's what we need to do, Angie. I'm yeah. just messing. Yeah, with right. So uh, so how do you how do you get that sort of momentum going? So once you have the the initial buy in, how do you really pick up momentum? Well, really, it's 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 uh, giving them the same message to share. And the vision and enroll. So we use a three-pronged approach. So, you know, you have the grassroots approach of, you know, just word of, my, word of mouth viralness, but also uh, from the bottom up. But And then we use a top-down approach using media. So media with celebrities, politicians, world leaders, but new media mm-hmm. influencers right now. So you have mm-hmm. that to – because, you know – media without grassroots movements they have nothing to talk about yeah so it's a combination of having media with grassroots movements and then meeting in the middle building connections with nonprofits, churches temples local communities communities are the middle ground Mm -hmm. and most people just operate just one way or just on the grassroots but they're missing using the top-down approach of media and also media in the communities because mm-hmm. the communities when all Hurricane Harvey and stuff and, and it's the local communities that are really uh, banding together to make the change. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to, well, I think just for sake of giving you the opportunity to make sure that people can get in touch with you, I think we should just kind of wrap it at that because yep. I want to make sure that people want to create their own movement. Uh, you know, they obviously have an opportunity to connect with you or – you know, just say thank you to to you and the family for uh, bringing them the, the yeah. California role. Like, if folks want to get more, uh, you know, uh, more information from you, get in touch with you. Where, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, best place is uh, our website, movementmakers.org. And then you could stay connected, uh, even hear more about the sushi story. And on Facebook. So we're Real Movement Makers. Uh, just uh, Google me and also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. And again, it's E, uh, well, AG is how you pronounce yeah. it, but it's E I. J-I, and then it's Mora Shita, yes. S-H-I-T-A. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so movementmakers.org. Yes. Yeah, all right, very cool, man. Well, look, it's just a, it's an amazing story, really, and uh, and I wish you and the, and the family well. Hopefully uh, it'll be a, a nice result there in terms of what happens for you guys with the restaurant, and just keep, uh, keep up the amazing work of helping people create movements, my man. Really awesome. do appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com.